I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Productivity Strategist, founder of Productivityist, and the host of the show, Mike Vardy. Uh, this week we have more reading discussions, and reading has become such a big thing, and a lot of authors have been talking about it. You know, Ryan Holiday has always talked about how much he reads, and Tim Ferriss reads a lot, and anyone who's really wanting to be more productive, or even become a, a writer, uh, and a better writer, needs to read more. And and what we talk about in this episode is, is we talk about how we are each reading. And I'm reading more this year than ever before already. And uh, Mike's been doing this for a while, so I wanted to bring him in and have a conversation about what he does and how he gets reading done. And then I you know, kind of throw in my two cents along the way. So here is the uh, discussion we have about reading and how we read here on the Productivityist podcast. Me and Mike Dariano, resident book reviewer for Productivityist. Enjoy. Mike Dariano is with me right now. He is the resident book reviewer for Productivityist, but he doesn't just review books for Productivity. He just reads. Mike, thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. So you've been on the show. You I mean, you used to do the little mini reviews for us, right? You know, the little like, here's here's what I've read and, and stuff like that. We haven't done those in a while. So I thought I'd bring you back on because one of the things that I want to talk about is the idea of, you know, how how I'm reading more. And I want to bend your ear and, and I'm sure our listeners want to get a sense of how you've been able to do it because... Um, Reading is the new hotness, I think. It's the new watching TV for a lot of people, right? Yes, yes. You see so many lists about uh, how I read so many books uh, this last year, and it seems like the frequency of those lists are growing more and more. So uh, people are reading. It's becoming it's becoming a thing again, or for the first time, maybe. <laughs> and and pa- like Patrick Rohn and I just talked about it. Uh, you know, it would have been the last last a couple weeks ago on the podcast where we talked about like there's a, a 137 books. In a year, Kevin D. Hendricks wrote the book. And I mean, Taylor Pearson's got one, Ryan Holiday. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And so what I want to talk to you about is is like kind of the what what got you into reading, how you were able to find time. And then we can kind of go back and forth about how, how I'm able to do it now and why I've placed such an emphasis on it. So let's let's start with you. So what – like have you always been a voracious reader? No, no. Once I finished graduate school, I basically stopped reading thinking that I had learned – uh, about everything that I had needed to learn. And then it was one of those lists about how I read X number of books in a year where I thought, wait a minute, maybe I'm not done learning. Maybe I need to revisit this and, and see what learning is about. 
And so when you start, like, how did you start that process? Because I think that that's what a lot of people get stuck on is that they're like, they know they need to read more. And so like anything else, kind of like New Year's resolutions, they go, okay, I'm going to read more. And they have no definitive plan in place. There's no framework. They just start to read and then it kind of falls off the vine. How did you do it so that it's become a, a habit or a ritual for you? The best uh, piece of advice I got, it was more like... Um, an allowance, someone that said I would have permission to do it, and that's to quit a book. I always thought that I had to finish books, and I remember I got this one book. It was like um, the supply lines of the Macedonian army, um, something, something, and I, thought, and I bought this book, and I'm reading it, and I thought, I can't read this. Like, this is way too hard. Why did I buy this? And then I came across the advice from someone that you can just quit a book, just sometimes it's not your time to read a book. And then once I realized that, I started reading more. My volume went up. And even though maybe I finish half the books I start, because my volume was higher, I started reading a lot more. It's kind of like the idea of the more tasks you have on your list. You don't have to necessarily do them all. It's just important to capture them. And then if you decide that that's the time to do it, you can go ahead and do it. But it's more about the quality of, of like, if you do more, then you're going to find some real gems in the, in, 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 in kind of in the, in the rough. Whereas if you just select and try to get through and trudge through a book, it's actually going to remove the joy from reading, right? Exactly. And I found out that the more I read, the more background I had for other things. Like one book that I've tried to read a few times is Anti-Fragile uh, by Nassim Taleb. And it's and on my it's on my list. I actually picked it up the other day. It's in my it's in my paper bookshelf right now. It's it's on it's in the queue. And that was a hard book for me to read the first two times. I quit that book twice and I quit the audio uh, book version once as well because I just I didn't I didn't understand the book. I didn't know what his point was. And then I heard him on podcasts and I read The Black Swan and then eventually I got around to reading that book. So it's really reading has snowballed for me where the more I do it, the more prepared I am for the next book. Um, and then it's just gotten easier and, and I've started reading more books. See, for me, one of the things that I, I, I didn't, I kind of followed that same advice you did. I mean, and I think I did that with movies initially first, right? Is, is it's okay to, and theater. I, when I wasn't doing theater, I actually walked out of a few plays. So I've always made it a, a point of, and I do this at events too sometimes, to be honest, is if I'm at an event and there's a bunch of speakers and I'm not into the topic, I will leave. And that's why I tend to sit near the back. It's one of the rules I, you know, I kind of learned early on is once you're near the front, it's like, okay, it's a bit more disruptive for you to get up and go. So I don't want to be that guy per se, but I definitely want to be able to, I mean, I want to have that choice. And the same thing goes with a book or with a film. You know, if you're, if you're not getting into it and like you said, so you went back to anti-fragile, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to, you may, you may return to the book at some point. How many have you returned to that you've quit? Would you say like on a, on a percentage basis, would you, is it high? Is it about mid-level, low, high? I would say it's pretty low. I would say 10% of the books are ones that I return to. Um, because the more you read, the more you realize that uh, a lot of books cover the same things. Like mm. A lot of books will have you know, the same research on something or they'll have the same example. And once you get that, you sort of get that and you don't need to, to touch a book um, that, that retreads that same ground, you know? Right, right. Now, I'm trying to... like. As I'm reading more books, um, I'm trying to figure out, and I think I've got it down uh, pretty solidly as to when to read. Because a lot of people will also say, "Okay, that's great. I now know that I can quit a book, but when, 
when do you when should they read when how do they how do they fit that into the the day because just like exercise right it's that whole idea that uh, I don't have time. I don't have time. But, you know, I mean, I'm doing this workout routine right now um, as part of the Dad Summit. And one of the things you do is you do 15 minutes of exercise, then you do five minutes of meditation, and then you do 10 minutes of personal development, which is often reading. And I find that that really helps. But I've done, I've been doing the reading beforehand. Like, I read all over the place. So it, it you know, and I think of that, that advice in that book that I mentioned earlier um, that Patrick talked about, he, I mean, Every opportunity that the guy had, he had a book with him. Instead of picking up his phone and going through Facebook, he's reading. Is is that kind of how you 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 attack it? Is it or do you have specific times you say, okay, I'm going to, I've added it to my morning or evening routine, and this is when I read. So I read first thing in the morning. I found that when I get up, um, I usually have an hour, maybe two, uh, before the rest of my family wakes up, and and that time is best spent if I'm reading. I don't write as well during that time. I don't edit as well. Even exercise, I don't tend to prefer. So if I can read for the first hour of the day, that's the best reading time I have. And then, like you were saying, if you can fill it in throughout the day, where if it's 15 minutes here or 20 minutes there, uh, those times really add up. One thing that I do is I always uh, take a book with me when I go to pick up my kids at school. And I know that if I leave a little early, I can get like maybe of 10 minutes of reading in the car. And I know that if I do that, I can go all the way up to the point of when there's a bell at school that releases all the kids. So I know that I'm getting the most reading time possible because there's a, uh, a hard marker for when I have to stop reading, when the bell rings. And if I do that, and if I use a couple different moments like that through the day, you know, I'll read more. It's funny. I, I was getting a physical done a couple weeks ago, and uh, I I had to go get some blood work done. And so I had to go to the they have a lab clinic that you go to to get your blood work done. And I brought Quiet with me because that's the book I'm I'm actually currently reading as as we're recording this. So I'll have probably been done done it for about two weeks uh, by the time this episode goes out. But I I showed up at the clinic and there was a waiting list. So I had my phone with me. It was fine. You know, it was early in the morning. It was actually earlier in the morning than I would normally leave the house, but I wanted to make sure I got it in because it was one of those blood tests where you have to fast so you can't eat beforehand. And so I brought the book and I sat and I read until it was my turn. And it, everyone else there was quite fascinating. Either people didn't bring anything and they were expecting magazines of which there were none in the waiting room, or they were on their phones, like just knee deep in their, in their phones, probably checking email or Facebook or whatever. And I found it was just so uh, rewarding to be able to sit there and read a book while I was waiting because it wasn't like I'm searching for anything. You know, when you, when you get a magazine, you're like, okay, what can I find in here? Oh, there's nothing I like. Like I knew I had the book with me and I do the same thing with the kids too. Like today I'll be picking up the kids after school and it's raining today. So I wouldn't walk to pick them up. Um, I will, I will bring a book and sit in the car until the kids come and meet me at the, at the car or until I go and get them when the bell rings. Normally, when I go pick up my kids on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'll bring, um, I'll, I'll either listen to my Audible books, and I'll talk about audiobooks with you in a little bit. Uh, so I'll listen to that either on the way to picking up my kids, and then I'll stop, obviously, when I have my kids with me. Or when I drop them off in the morning, I'll walk and listen to a, uh, you know an Audible book, which has replaced podcasts. And, and again, we can talk a little bit about podcasts and books and the difference between the two in a little bit as well. And then the other thing that you know I, I also do in the morning is I don't re- I read first thing in the morning, but I um, I don't read with my eyes. So I have Blinkist, which is the tool that I've talked about before. And their Blinkist now has audio blinks, and they do 15, 10 to fifteen minutes long, depending on the book size. 
And I use those to kind of prime the mind, right? So to get me, and most of the books I read on Blinkist, they're all nonfiction, and they're all related to the kind of work I do, or or somehow, you know, um, related, uh, even even on a indirect way. So I will read quote one of those uh, in the morning while I'm you know preparing my coffee and doing all that stuff because it's only 15 minutes. It gets my mind going. And, you know, I'm not a morning person. I'm much better at reading in the afternoon or in the evening um, to wind down my day as opposed to, you know, uh, get ready for the day. And the nice thing about using audio blinks is I get a sense of do I want to buy this book? Do I want to get this book? It's not the blinks don't replace the book. They're more like, do you remember when you used to go into, you remember HMV, right? It's still around. Remember when you used to be able to go in there and they had the CDs on the wall that you could listen to to see if you liked – because you knew you liked one song by the band. But you didn't know if you'd like the whole album. So you could like listen to the CD on the wall with the headphones and get a sense of do I want to buy this album or do I want to – do I – did you remember that? Yes, yes. I remember. And and, and you have to like – sometimes you have to jam the button because the one track (laughs) that everyone wanted to listen to had had hit the button so often it had broken. And and, and the forward button was worn out (laughs) so you had to know that, okay, well, that's the one that – um, that's what Blinkist is for me. It's the preview. It's the, okay, it's, it's a Cliff's Notes. And so like one of the books that I, I recently previewed was Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Have you read that book? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I haven't read it, but I knew that I, the Blink w- was an audio Blink. So I, I listened to it and I was and, and as basically about two thirds of the way through the audio Blink, I'm like, I went into Todoist and said, uh, add thinking fast and slow to my wish list. Um, we'll talk about book purchasing and, and libraries and all that stuff in a little bit as well. But that was that was the instant that I decided, okay, I'm going to want to have that book because it, it was something, there was elements in there that I want to use for research as well as I just really liked some of the, the tools that he talked about, you know, the bat and ball sequence and all that. So that's how I use Blinkist. And I find that by listening to those either on the way to school or coming back from school or doing the, you know, even to start off my day, because uh, I do sometimes use a Blink instead of Audible, depending on the book and how far I want to go into it. Uh, it really is helpful. Do you listen to audiobooks at all? Uh, no, I really don't prefer audiobooks. But listening to your explanation of reading, you 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 bring up something that's really uh, that can be helpful to some people, and that's that the the type of reading you do. Um, will vary from time to time. Not mm-hmm. everything, not every way and every time you read is going to be something that's in-depth and you're pulling um, a lot of information from. Like Thinking Fast and Slow is a really rich book with a lot of stuff from it. And you're going to probably get more out of that book than, say, um, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Not that they're necessarily in the same genre, but those two reading experiences will be different and the Blinkist experience will be different and the Audible experience will be different. And if you're someone that's listening and you don't want to read a lot or you don't read a lot of books but you want to, um, knowing that you don't have to uh, read like you have to do a report is okay. That's not the point of reading. The point of reading is just to collect things and sometimes that'll be done in a really rich manner where you're taking notes and and drawing a lot from it and sometimes it'll be you know you'll read an entire book and you'll get maybe one or two things from it the other thing that that i i want to talk to you a little bit about is do you read fiction a lot or non-fiction do you what what do you what's your balance would you say i would say i'm 90 percent non-fiction uh the 10 percent fiction i read um is is a pretty small percentage, and and part of the reason is is that I know that I 
if I get into a nonfiction book and I am deep in it, it's almost like an addiction for me, Mike. Mm. Uh, just the other night, I, uh, I stayed up until 2.30 in the morning finishing the Winds of Radiance book. Are you familiar with this book? No, I'm not. Oh, so this is one of those um, science fiction fantasy books with, with magic and, and heroes and, and all kinds of, of powers and the hero's journey, the whole nine yards. Um, but I know if I read those books... I just get so consumed by them that that it takes up too much of my time. Right, right. And for me, I don't want to. Uh, my wife looks at me, and she, she she's reading a lot too. She always has. She's been very voracious, but she reads a lot of fiction, and she reads it for escape. Uh, Patrick and I talked about this on the podcast as well. Uh, his wife reads for escape. I read to learn. Like I, I didn't go to again. I didn't spend time in graduate school or college or anything like that. So I, when I was done high school, my reading uh, of you know, nonfiction books was essentially done. And there wasn't a lot of nonfiction that you have to read in high school as compared to a, there's a nice healthy combination of fiction and nonfiction that you get to read. Well, I mean, I'm, I want to read nonfiction. I want to learn more along the way. So for me, that's what reading is for me. I do have some books that are uh, fiction, but I'd say my, my spread is about the same as yours, 90% nonfiction to 10% uh, fiction. Now, what about, um, getting books like i mean i talk about blinkist as kind of like a pre-screening do you like you obviously don't use audible very much i love my audible subscription it's one of the things that i really pride on in fact the latest book i read uh, as of this recording was originals by adam grant i don't know if you've looked at that one yet um you read give and take i know that right yes i read give and take and i liked it uh so here's my question about audible how do you how do you take notes in audible how do you have um i know there's a bookmark feature that's how, that's how i use it i i use the bookmark feature so if i find something i skip back 30 seconds and then hit the bookmark button okay so that way i can keep track of them uh there, there's a few books that i've done this with the score takes care of itself by bill walsh uh the uh, obviously originals and i'm now reading the practicing mind uh, so, and that one's a shorter one. And what I found is originals was a great read. I may even buy the, I don't know if I'll buy the paper version of it. I know I'll probably buy the paper version of give and take, but for me, um, the, I wanted to read some lighter audible fare and not in terms of like lighter nonfiction, just not as many hours. Uh, originals was over 10 hours long. So, which is fine, but I want to read like something that's – so I try to mix it up. So I'll have like a 10-hour book and then a three-hour book or a four-hour book. So right now, the, the book I'm reading is only four hours long. So that will be done in like two or three days. Um, and what I do is the Audible book, again, like you said, it's not about you know how you read. It's that you read. And so for me, that book will be read at certain times of day, like again – prepping dinner, walking to pick up the kids, that kind of thing. Whereas my reading of like digital books or, or paper books uh, will happen when I'm actively just want to not doing anything else but reading. So yeah, I, I literally like cooking dinner one day, Bill Walsh would say, here's the list of 10 things that I think a leader should have. And I hit the 30 second back button and hit bookmark and that way I'd know. And so you see, I mean, I, I have probably in, in some books about 10 or 15 bookmarks and I just review them later when I want to go back and do some research. And and anything that I do in my, like, like I have in my task app, Todoist, I'll say, go back and review bookmarks from this book. And then I'll go and listen to them and then make notes that way. So it's it's almost like I'm doing the research after like the the reviewing is where I actively will write down the stuff, the thoughts that came to mind. But it's about capturing it in that moment. Because you're right. If, if I didn't do that, then I'd be like, what did he say about 
uh, behavioral psychology and originals again about where like, you know, younger kids are, are more apt to take risks than older kids. And, and some, you know, he talked about procrastination and I'm like, Oh, bookmark in that chapter. There's no question that I want to see pro procrastination can be good. I'm like, okay, let's see. Cause Adam Grant is a, tremendous researcher along the lines of Cal Newport we talked about before we started recording. And so I wanted to make sure I had that. So that's how I do it. Yeah. So that's good to hear because uh, reviewing a book can be a really helpful part too. And my favorite books, the ones that I rely on again and again, are all books that I revisit. And if you can revisit something, each time you do that, you're going to take away something else from it. So my guess is that when you review these audible notes, you're, um, you're making further connections than maybe what initially struck you about procrastination or, or something else. Well, and what's better about that, too, is that I've also read other things along the way. So I've got more context and more information to apply to it. So if I'm reading, you know, again, originals talks about certain things and then Rory Vaden's procrastinate on purpose. When I go back to review it, I'm like, oh, well, that thing that Adam Grant said in originals applies here. So I can definitely see some, some, you know, some crossover. And that's helpful because, again, I, it's not that I'm, you know, going back and reviewing the book necessarily right away because I've already started, say, another book. But I, I actually have in there, I think, on while I'm traveling. Uh, and this is aired after, of course, I'm traveling, but uh, I will go in and review my bookmarks while I'm on the plane, let's say. So that way I can say, okay, here's some of the stuff. And in between that time, I've probably read another book, maybe even gotten through half of another one. So I might have even more thoughts surrounding it as related to what I've just read. So I think it's what it's done is it's made me a better it's made me a better writer already. I can feel it, but it's also making me feel like I can you know, to me, reading blog posts are all well and good. I, I like reading blog posts, especially, but it's the, the idea of, and same with podcasts, but the idea of having one continuous stream, which is what a book is really. It's like, I mean, there's a series of thoughts, but it's delivered in one consistent package that, that is more appealing to me these days. Is that, is that how you treat them too? Is, is kind of, I mean, I'm sure you read blog posts. I'm sure you, uh, but there's just something tangibly different about them that makes them almost, it takes a while, but it makes it more appealing. Yeah. I really like to, I really like your point about the books being like a continuous blog post where, and some books literally are that where people take their blog posts and they format it into a book. Yeah, but the idea of a book being a continuous thought is really powerful. Uh, your comments on enjoying Grant's book reminded me that one way I find books is that anytime there's a blurb from someone I know, um, like Adam Grant typically gives, uh, gives blurbs to books that are in his domain, yeah. uh, I'll grab that book. And so we talked before about reading being a snowballing process where once you're familiar with an author and say, oh, I, I like their work, you're going to start to see their blurbs on other books. And then that can really uh, um, open up uh, how you find books. Let's talk about how you get books. So you use the, I know you use the library quite a bit, right? Yes. My library has this wonderful stand right in the front when you walk in of new releases. And um, anytime there's a book on the new release table that I want or think I might want, I get it. Um, and it gives you two weeks. I've got three books on my desk right now that are all due back soon, and I haven't touched one of them, and that's fine. There's no, there's no cost to it other than um, you know the, the time it takes to check out. Another thing, uh, and this is the thing that's probably helped me find more good books than anything else, is as I read a book, if I find an interesting nugget or a story 
that I want to pursue further, I make a note in my notebook and it's a, it's a B with a box around it. And that's my uh, shorthand for book. And then when I review my notes, I look for that book. And books are the best source of books for me. If I can find something in there, um, more often than not, it ends up being something I read. And then a lot of people online uh, have their monthly book list that they share out. Uh, Ryan Holidays is probably the most famous, but um, Patrick O'Shaughnessy has a book list as well that's consistently pretty good. Now, what about? See, this is one of the things. Like, I've got I've got a lot of books that need to be read. Uh, you know, I mean, and that I own. So that's where I'm going through right now. So I'm going to have to go to the library at some point because I don't want to be buying, like, I mean, I love buying books and Ryan Holiday's got a great post about having why you should have a library at home, which I think, which I'll definitely share in the show notes. But what I love about owning the book is I can dog ear, I can do all that stuff. How do you take notes when you're like, do you have a notebook that's specific for, like for your book stuff or is it just you have a bunch of different notebooks and that box with the B around it kind of indicates uh, like like I'm trying to figure out how you do it without it without losing the context along the way I take notes exhaustively from library books and it doesn't happen very often I would say 15% of the books that I read are library books and so um, to take notes from them isn't that time consuming but when I do find something uh, that's really good that requires a lot of notes it's just a lot of notes a very nice person once sent me this uh, bullet journal notebook that I've been taking notes in. <laughs> <laughs> that I've been taking notes in recently, and that works really well. And anything that I want uh, to go in there needs to go in there. The last library book I read was Foolproof by Greg Ip, and that probably took uh, almost ten pages uh, of notebook paper between the quotes and the outline and my ideas and, and extensions and connections to different things I had read. And sometimes that's just part of it. And compare that to the Kindle, which is really nice, where you can highlight something from the Kindle and go through a book. And then when you're done, it takes 10 seconds to export it to Evernote. And then that's it. Yeah. So I've been using the Kindle app on my iPad and I've got the iBooks uh, app as well. iBooks app as well. I don't own a Kindle yet. I've been considering it now because, uh, because of the amount of reading I'm doing. But it's not, I mean, the iPad does the trick for me right now, especially because it's an iPad mini. So the form factor is about, is very similar. And I think when I'm, what I know, in fact, uh, as I'm preparing for travel, my plan is to get through the two paper books that I've got. I'll probably keep one paper book going. Because uh, what I do now, and I don't know how you do this, and it'd be interesting to find out, is I have two books on the go that are um, not audible books. So the audible book is consistent. It goes, and I have a, I have a task in Todoist. I have basically three reading tasks in Todoist every day, four technically. The first one is read a blank. So that, then those take 15 minutes. So that's, that's the audio blank that I listen to, or maybe even just the visual blank. If I, if I have time to sit down and read it. The second thing is I have the audible string that says read some of your audible book. And so that that's consistent as well. And then on alternating days, I have whatever books, paper books or digital books that I have that I'm working on. So right now I'm working on quiet and I'm working on the millionaire messenger by Brendan Burchard. And so those are the two books. And I just finished reading born for this by, uh, by uh, Chris Gillibo. So, when I finish one, I replace it with a new one and I have alternating days that I read them just so that way, because I'm the type of person that might get bored easily, uh, you know, and, and it actually keeps me probably from doing the whole quit the book situation, which which I haven't really done yet since I've started this, you know, and again, I've only been doing this for 
consistently with this two book strategy for about six weeks now. But I've gotten through, um, and this is my last point to this, is I've gotten through my goal. Goodreads was 50 books this year in the calendar year from 2016. And as of this recording, I'm at 10 completed books. And this we're recording this on February 10th. So in and I didn't really start this process until the say the middle of January. So in basically four weeks, I've read 10 books. And that's the last phase. So every day I go into Goodreads and update my status on those books. So I'll say, okay, I've read you know, what page am I on of these different books. And if it's an audible book, I look at the, the count and I say, oh, well, it's a 10-hour book and I've only got four hours left. So I've read 60%. And that's kind of a trackability thing. So basically my task app kind of provides the framework for me to continue reading and read you know, consistently. And then the Goodreads, uh, using Goodreads allows me to kind of say, okay, where am I at with this stuff? Like, how am I measuring? How do you track, like, not just the note taking, but how do you keep tabs on what you're reading? Do you use Goodreads at all? Do you use any of those tools? Um, I really don't care what I'm reading. If there's something that that's good that I can tear through, um, I'll, I'll just read it and, and I'll add to it. I found that Goodreads, uh, for me, it was more work than it was worth where I wasn't I wasn't connecting people. Um, the the progress feature wasn't something that I valued. Um, there's a simple play, page on my blog where I keep track of the things I read. But beyond that, there's not a lot of um, of process behind it. But I like your I like your process. I like what you've done when you assign it to a task app, um, whether it was implicit or not. You you you've decided that reading is something that's valuable, and that when you check it off, that this is something that is a task that's leading you to your goal. And then uh, the fact that you update Goodreads is really cool too because it means that um, you know, you're taking pride in that and then that, that's a, a demonstration of, of what you're doing. So uh, I, wish, I wish I was more like you, Mike, in that sense <laughs> of, uh, of, of approaching reading from that angle. But uh, to me, it almost feels like if, if I go, if I spend too much time writing or too much time talking about the task of reading or doing things related to the task of reading, I'm not actually reading. And for me, that's the most important part. Right. And, and, and what I do with Goodreads is I actually tag that on to my evening routine. So when I've talked about my evening routine before, it's journaling, my three absolutes for the next day, all that stuff. Uh, I've added Goodreads to the thing that I do before I do my journal entry. So and, and sometimes and the nice thing about it is it does connect to your Amazon stuff, which is great. So if you've got Amazon purchases, it connects to those quite nicely. But the other thing is I can do reviews right from in there. And I actually have gotten some decent recommendations from people as well. So it is it is. But again, you're right. It's 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 upkeep. And and for me, just that measuring stick, because, again, it was something I wasn't measuring. I two things I started measuring uh, as we turned the corner into September and really more so as we as I hit the you know after the first quarter of my year so February is is to say okay where is the time going and where should it be spent on and writing and reading are the things I should be doing other than spending time with my family so things like television watching I've I mean that's where a lot of my reading time came in from and I think that that's something that people need to pay attention to as well is is where where can you find like I can't find the time to read well how much television are you watching track that uh, because again television the nice thing about television, it's just like a book now. It never used to be. You used to have to watch the show when it was on, and that was it, right? You didn't have a choice. Now you could say, okay, well, I'm going to record this show and watch it at this time, 
like maybe when I'm too tired to read because I can my wife that's something that happens with her she said you know I don't really read at night because my eyes are too tired so I watch TV instead for like an hour instead of reading a book whereas I'm you know for me I don't I'm I'm now down to at this point four hours of TV per week so it's other than maybe the occasional movie but consistently four hours per week which is you know pretty and pretty decent and normally I'm on the fit desk when I'm doing that um what about you? Like, where did you find the, the pockets of time? And where do you still find the pockets of time? Um, other than obviously the ones you've mentioned to, to get more reading done. And where do you suggest people look? I think people can look, uh, pretty much anywhere in their lives. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that I should read in the morning until I experimented with that and found out that, you know, my workouts aren't that good compared to if I go uh, right before lunch. And my writing is really air prone if I do that in the morning. So let me try this. Th- let me try this reading thing and, and go ahead and do that. And I think if if people are having trouble finding time to read, I don't know if 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 the problem is so much the time to read so much as the books they're reading. I'm constantly amazed that it, that in the last 15 years you have access to every book ever written. And you can find out a synopsis of it uh, at the snap of your fingers. The fact that that's available to people, all they need to do is to to take that first small step and to say, I think I'm going to try to investigate this book. Because there's books out there that that will change your life. After you read Thinking Fast and Slow, your socks are going to be blown off because of some of the research that Kahneman did. And the same thing with Anti-Fragile. And the same thing with a whole slew of other books. The, the problem... If people are having trouble finding time to read, I think they need to to experiment more with finding the right books, and then the time will come after that. You know what? One thing I would recommend people do is if like sites like Brain Pickings by Maria Popova and and, and Mason Curry's stuff, like anything that you want to. If you're reading blog posts, which you probably are, or checking Facebook, which you also probably are. Look at some of those sites, like look at some of the stuff that's drawing your attention. Like that's one of the reasons why, you know, like there was a, um, not only did I find this in, in, a, in Cal Newport's latest book, Deep Work, but I also saw it mentioned on Maria Porpova's site once before, uh, the book How to Live on 24 Hours a Day. I don't know if you've read that, Mike. Have you read it? No. It's, it's a really super short read and it's from 1906. Um, and it's it's basically you can get it from the Gutenberg Library, which is another great source, um, and it's free, which is because any of those books in public domain are free uh, for digital works, and you can get audiobooks there as well. But what it was was I said, oh, I want to learn about this because it's a ni- book from 1906 on time management, which is over 100 years old, 110 years old at this point. Uh, I'd like to see what's changed. Spoiler alert: not much has changed. <laughs> but, but but to me that that that's where you could find it. So if you're reading like medium or you're reading like some of your favorite writers on most of your favorite bloggers will have a book at some point, uh, or they will recommend a book. Start there. Does that make sense to you, Mike? Yes. In fact, I've gotten so many great book recommendations from people on Twitter and like big time people on Twitter. There's academic professors that I follow who have suggested books. One example was, um, I tweeted to, um, to some mathematics professor, I said, "Hey, I'm looking for a math book that's not really about math, but but can can introduce you me to some some new ideas." And he he recommended this author, um, John Allen Paulos, and he's written some 
Uh, wonderful books. It's all about storytelling and statistics and things like that. And it's not a math book, but it's a math book, if that mm. makes sense. Yep. Yep. So anyone that you, almost anyone that is on Twitter will get back to you about books to read. Uh, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many followers they have or how many followers you have. If you mention me on Twitter, I will get back to you uh, about books to read. Uh, there's lots of lots of great places to start. You just need to go from the. Uh, you just need to take that f- first small step. Now, one of the things you, we, we you mentioned, we kind of put a little document together that we were going off of. But one of the things people need to realize it's kind of like again, kind of like tasks or things, ideas that you've captured, probably more like ideas where you've got lots of them available. Um, you need to have that for books as well. You mentioned that. And I think that's really important is in Goodreads, I have, I mean, I could look right now, but I have, I have a ton of books that I'm like, want, that I want to read because you can check things off in Goodreads to say, hey, I want to read these. So in my, in my category of books that I want to read, uh, I have, uh, what is it, 97 books that I want to read. I've read 144 um, and I'm currently reading three, as it says here. So if I looked at my 997 that I want to read, some of them have come along, you know, obviously fairly recently through recommendations that people offer. So, I mean, one of the more recent ones I put in there was uh, um, The Geography of Genius uh, by Eric Weiner. Um, then there's, you know, uh, uh, man, there's so many in here. Transition. Somebody recommended Transition. Someone I was interviewing. Transition. And it's an older book from 1980. Uh you know, there's a lot of books in here, uh, so you can you can do that, and I think that that's really important. And, and you mentioned that doing that at the library is important too, like saying, "Hey, here are the books I want to read at the library," and grabbing them uh, as as they as they move up the queue, right? Yeah, that, that's this reminds me of uh, of two reading hacks, if you will, that I've heard. One that I do, and then one that I've heard of. Um, I remember reading um, a few years ago about someone who had a virtual assistant, and one of the jobs their virtual assistant had was to go through this gentleman's Amazon wish list and anytime there was a book there to request it from the New York library. And so once a week he would go to the library and then all the books he wanted to read were there and it was all taken care of through his virtual assistant. The other uh, thing that that I'm fond of is finding books for the penny on Amazon. Uh, There's so many people who sell used books online and um, it, they're listed usually for one cent or often for less than a dollar. And then your shipping is going to be $3.99 on top of that. But for less than five bucks, you can get this book that could have an idea that totally changes your life. And, and to me, that, that's a no-brainer. That, that's an obvious investment to make. And I mean, you also now do you check? You say here that you check the index of a book you read. That's to get other ideas of books you want to read, right? So if you look at not just throughout the book as you're reading, because that's how I got the idea to read Adam Grant's book and how to live on 24 hours a day. But the index will often, and even the I guess the the footnotes and notes will mention books that you may want to look at depending on the content of what you've just read, right? Yeah, and a lot of authors because they have to do a lot of authors are readers, and because they have to do a lot of research, they'll even sometimes include a reading list at the end of their book. And, and so it'll, be, it'll say something like, if you like this book, here's some other books that I found influential or are related or something like that. And so the back of a book always has a lot of good information where if you like that book, dive into the index and find something that you can use for your next stepping stone. Awesome. Awesome. 
that's pretty much all we have. Now, anyone who has been listening to the uh, the full episode, the Patreon edition, you got a bunch of you got another like 10 minutes of stuff or tactical stuff that we talked about. And so uh, if you're interested in getting uh, the Patreon edition of the show, just go to patreon.com slash productivityist and you can pledge any dollar amount from the dollar all the way to the all the way to the, the hundred dollar mark if you want. Um, for me, this has been a great episode. There's copious amounts of show notes and plenty of Amazon links. So you're probably going to see a lot of those because I, I do have an Amazon affiliate account. So you'll probably see a lot of those. Mike, where can people find you other than on Productivityist when you are doing your uh, book reviews for us from time to time? Where can people find you and your work? Uh, the best way to reach out to me is to ping me on Twitter. I am at Mike Ferriano. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Mike. And that's pretty much it. That's that's what we wanted to talk about is how much reading we each get done and how we do it. I'm sure you can carve out time to read. Uh, exer- I mean, yes, you've got to carve out time to exercise and, and do all that sort of, of, of important stuff as well. But feeding your mind is just as important as feeding and fueling your body. And I strongly recommend that you pick up some kind of reading habit. Maybe maybe get into Goodreads or start using Blinkist or any of those tools. And and if you're a Patreon supporter, as I mentioned, you you got a lot more uh, – additional material that we threw in there so uh, you could check that out over at patreon.com slash productivityist if you like the show please leave a rating or review in itunes or whatever podcasting aggregator you are using and we'll be back next week with another episode until then uh, this is mike vardy productivity strategist founder of productivityist and host of the productivityist podcast reminding you to stop guessing start going start reading <laughs> <laughs>